0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with InCreative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about The Staircase with showrunner, executive producer and director Antonio Campos and showrunner and executive producer Maggie Cohn. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the genesis of the inroad into this story creatively for you both, because, Antonio, this is something that you've been following and immersed in for over 13 years and even to the point where you were present at some of the reti- retrial for Michael as well. And I was really interested in how being so immersed for that amount of time and and being there kind of firsthand for some of the court moments in the retrial really informed the way that you wanted to tell this story narratively and stylistically.
1: Well, it was the retrial hearing um, that that happened in 2011. Um, It was just, you know, a lot of the, hopefully the show uh, captures uh, what, my experience felt like going, um, going through this case, or just kind of experiencing all the different turns uh, and sort of n- different endings the story had over the course of those years. Because when um, when I first watched the documentary, which, which was two thousand eight, um, it ended in a very, um, very like there was a very definitive ending. It felt like that was the end at that point, and then 2011 there was a very different ending, and almost felt like a hopeful ending. And then 2017 there was a very different ending again, and so it was trying to figure out how to capture the the complexity of that experience in a in in a series um, that didn't just uh, rehash the the facts, but actually um, use. The story of the staircase and the case of Michael Peterson and Kathleen Peterson's death to really explore the nature of truth and the complexity of truth, and and um, hopefully uh, take the audience on a journey through all the different um, perspectives uh, involved.
0: And, and speaking about Kathleen as well, you know, obviously the majority of, of the media coverage of her that exists in the public domain is about her death and her passing, but yeah. there's so much more and what you've really done successfully with this series is capture so many other elements in a really rich way where, you know, it looks at the good days, it looks at the difficult moments mm-hmm. for that character and it, and it feels, you know, very true and it feels like you've taken a lot of care in wanting to honour that very real version rather than even just telling, you know, a version with a little bit more sheen because it makes a good story um but how did the two of you set about kind of filling in those spaces because again you're you're looking at a lot of court documents and transcripts and things that were bought up for legal proceedings and certain legal narratives so how did you really work to make sure that you so richly filled in those spaces in between when it came to telling her story
2: i mean i think the initial objective was to have a character that wasn't defined by tragedy um, mm-hmm. so that was ultimately what we were trying to do in terms of you know making her authentic. I think because of the fact that she is the person that is gone and she's the absence in this show. We got to imbue her with a lot of parts of ourselves. Um and so I think, you know, you have these, you know, signifiers. She was a businesswoman. She was very, very successful. She was very, very intelligent. She was very caring. Um, she was charismatic by all accounts those are the things that we leaned into and i think when you're whenever you're creating any character and again whether it's somebody that is a real life person or not you're just taking these things and then bringing what you are bringing to the character as well and then that's how it manifests um we weren't avoiding um we well our goal wasn't to replicate anyone or make anyone so you know it wasn't like a one-for-one sort of thing and so we didn't feel like we were beholden to that in any sense with Kathleen other than um, remembering her in a way that it felt like up until this point there was a bit of a void Um, and so we really hope that that's kind of the takeaway in terms of her character.
0: It is. And, and it, there's also
2: such complexity in
0: telling the story, in regards to the fact that you're telling a story, like Antonio said, where there's been different possibilities of truth along the way and across the years and, and different perceptions. And it really feels like, episode by episode, you allow each possibility of truth the time to kind of breathe and really exist as a truth within the narrative telling. And so, how did you approach the complexity and all of the challenges that came with a story that doesn't have? finite definitive answers but still wanting to kind of honor the possibility of each truth if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah no it was complicated and i think you know the we there are there are answers in the show like there are things we go okay will this happen? and you know we we just had to identify the things that we know and the things were the sort of very concrete things and the the areas that were um a little mercury murkier and um and uh, you know, I think part of it is that we embraced from the beginning in the writers' room. We embraced different perspectives, and so that was just part. Like that's in the DNA of this thing. And so, you know, a person, a writer, on one day might have felt very differently than they did the next day about things, just based on the conversations and. A writer that was writing one episode would feel very differently about Michael Peterson than a writer writing another episode. And so all of that, I think, uh, put into the stew uh, led to a show that has a lot of room uh, to breathe and a lot of room for things to kind of unfold naturally and um, a lot of different perspectives to exist even in the same frame.
0: And one of the other aspects as well, obviously, when you're telling any story that has so many elements that come from legal proceedings is that gives you a huge volume of, of very specific detail to work within. And yet you manage to relay so much of that information without it feeling didactic in terms of the exposition it still always leads through character and story and there's there's moments that kind of lend themselves a little bit more like being able to look at what they're doing to try and figure out blood spatter is obviously more naturally visually dynamic than some of the other explorations of detail and so how did you set about making sure that either you found the visual inroad to a lot of that exposition or that you found a way in which it naturally made sense to drive it through character and story
2: I mean, always to avoid exposition, because it's just boring. Um, But I think, you know, I I think when you have a fact that, you know, you kind of like need to get out there, you try and figure out a way to, you know, present it in terms of a story. So, you know, I'm thinking about episode, um, the the second episode, and uh, we need to get Michael and David out by the pool. And the reason they need to be by the pool is because they need to be they want to determine whether or not they can hear uh, an audio recording of a woman screaming in the staircase. So yeah, we could have David saying, Hey Mike, let's go by the pool so we can listen and see if this is what's happened. But maybe alternatively we can have Michael feeling overwhelmed by seeing the blood spatter again, having all these experts analyze the scene where his wife passed away. And instead of getting him to the pool to listen we're getting him to the pool because he needs space he needs room he doesn't want to be in the house anymore and so it's just it, it that's what storytelling is it's just finding avenues of, of expressing something that's slightly less obvious and less and it's more creative and it's more human
0: You also have the the richness of such an ensemble of characters in terms of even just the number of family members that you have. And obviously every single piece of information that's revealed has a ripple effect within the family. And the same way that you were saying the writers would come in each day with different opinions of things, the family that we're seeing on screen does the same. Was it actually really helpful to be able to write to that many characters because you had so many different things to play off of as they're responding to each piece of information along the way?
1: I mean, it's interesting. You know, if, if we were writing this and it wasn't based on a true story, I don't know if we would have written two sisters and two brothers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking the same yeah, thing. It's like, I'm like Maybe pull back a little bit yeah, on the number
1: of yeah, people maybe it would have been like one brother and then another, you know. So it, it was what it was, but we just like felt like we gotta embrace what this is. Like we weren't going to go, okay, well, it would be easier if there was just one son, but just in sort of a narrative like it would be easier to have to write for one um one person having to deal with two more perspectives and two different personalities and two different relationships in a room is more complicated but it is what this was and the messiness of it all was what made it feel so exciting and uh real because that's family dynamics are complicated um so we leaned into it and we just really had fun with trying to, you know, allow um, allow that personality to come out, and for them to be a lot of times um, an avatar for the audience to express an audience thinking this is crazy, you know, that could be something that this specific character, if it made sense, could express. And you know, one of the most exciting things, like one of the first I remember, one of the f- when. I remember in 2011, just being in that courtroom and really thinking about the filmmakers, like one of the moments that I was so excited about that we got to dramatize was just the idea of these three French filmmakers sitting in an office all the way in Paris, um, debating the minutia of this case. And again, like you wouldn't necessarily go, okay, well, we should write a producer or director uh, and an editor for this situation. But it was, that's what made that, that scene so interesting and those different opinions and that that debate, which is what happened in the writer's room, which is what happens in people's living room uh, or dining room tables when they talk about this case. So it, you know, we just leaned into that um, variety and, and that, uh, you know, just yeah, and to like can...
2: further what you were saying about having the characters be avatars is that because we do cover so much time, the characters themselves have a di- they look back on this night and they have different experiences. Uh, you know, they have different thought processes about it as they evolve as a person. Which I think, when an audience member sees a character do that, they also feel like they can do that. So there is the ability to change your mind or to go in a different direction like we want to encourage that and because there's so many characters we are able to do that it is it you know I think when you are storytelling you yeah again you are like sometimes the simplest way is the best way and this this way it was kind of like this is what we've got this is like kind of the tools that we need to use like how is the best way to tell the story with all of them and ultimately it's always like um you know, truth is stranger than fiction. So
1: I mean <laughs> we frequently I mean, like Yeah. Okay, you couldn't sit we down and, yeah, we couldn't sit down and write the owl theory. I think exactly. that like, you know, that just kind of had to present we had to kind of inherit that and go, okay, now how do we how do we process that? Yeah.
0: And you're also writing and telling a story which, you know, spans several years, but the main crux of it takes place at a very specific time and place. And there's certain ways in which that influences the story. So Michael's sexuality, for example, was perceived and received by other people, by society, by his family very differently to the way that maybe it would be now in 2022. And so what were the story elements that were very influenced by the time period of when the case happened and when the legal proceedings were in motion?
1: Well, we were taking into account um, the 9/11 of it all, and that the world was kind of on edge um, after, and that's very much the beginning of our story. I mean, the beginning being the past beginning, um, and so that that sort of that that reverberates through uh, really a lot of the first part of the series, and then you know, I think. We had to, from our perspective in 2020, look back to 2001 and 2002 and try and understand um, the way that people felt in Durham, North Carolina about Michael's sexuality and look at it from the perspective that we have now and not judge them, but but show uh the genuine uh, surprise and shock that today I don't, you know, I don't think would play out the same way. I definitely, definitely, don't think even Durham, North Carolina, today that they, this tr- that aspect of the case I think would be very differently perceived um, by the public. Um, you know, it wouldn't be as big of a deal uh, the way I think it played out in two thousand two and two thousand three.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. we, you know, the prosecution decided to use bias as a tool, um, and that's the debate is if you think somebody's done something horrible and you want to stop them from doing it again, what what do you take off the table? Um, which I think is a fair question, um, and I think because of the nature of Michael's infidelity, he was punished because of it. And the fairy tale wasn't allowed to exist any longer because that's not the fairy tales we grew up with. Um, I think now there is more diversity of experience and people are hopefully more open to, um, to people making decisions that maybe they wouldn't necessarily make in their own lives, but realizing that that's not actually a problem or bad or make them a killer.
0: And structurally in the telling of the story, there's almost three different time periods. You've got the leading up to the night of, the night of and everything that immediately follows that. And then kind of coming back to the story a few years later and each of them, you know, feel very connected in the way that they're told visually. And yet there's kind of nuanced differences visually and stylistically as well. And so what did you want those kind of individual pieces of visual and stylistic language for each of those time periods to be? Because as you're telling non-linear storytelling, you kind of need to carry the audience very seamlessly through knowing exactly what point in time they're in at any moment,
1: I made a choice very early on that the the past and the present that the past being this the time period that Kathleen is alive, and the present being everything that happens after. Um, that that there would be the only differences would be sort of what um, the environment looks like. You know, if if it's the part of the story and the present is in two thousand. Eight, obviously, the world looks a little different in 2008 than it did in that fall of 2001, but we wanted the, 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 the jumping back and forth there to be a little seamless, like for you and times to really have to um, not be sure of where or when you were. So that you kind of have that capture the sort of sense of times of let circle. These things are kind of happening at the same time um, so that one doesn't feel like the past because we wanted them both to feel very alive. And I think if you made the past feel very different, it would just feel like, oh, that's the past. And we didn't want that. And the, that the future we did uh, decide early on would have something that subtly felt different, which was the use of handheld. And that slowly as you because the future of all of, of the three timelines is the one that is the most mysterious, where you're trying to sort of get your bearings. So we wanted to lean into that quality and, and have that feeling of something is different here. And also give us a little bit of just something in the in the in the in the, in the makeup of the show that was just a little more sort of a, less formal, maybe and a little looser, um, that just kind of added another spice to the the stew and um and as you see that 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 timeline itself will also start blending into the past and present um yeah
0: Yeah. And it also sounds like very early on, you knew that you wanted to use kind of reenactment for the moment of on the staircase itself, um, you know, which is a really visceral scene and yet also doesn't feel voyeuristic, which seems like that was probably a really tricky line to balance. And so how did you in terms of the narrative arc determine okay what's the point at which we want the audience to visit this moment for the first time and to introduce them to this concept within the story and then also how to film it in a way that you know didn't shy away from things but again wasn't voyeuristic and never felt unnecessary for the audience as well
2: well well i think it's two questions right when to show the depictions and then how to show the Yeah. 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 yeah yeah so When to show the depictions, we wanted to show first the depiction of um, Kathleen having an accident, and we wanted it to be then couched in the defense saying this is what it is. So you're seeing something, you know, somewhat objectively, but you're hearing it from the defense's side, so you understand the motivation behind it. So it's a way of balancing it. Um and then later, when you're you know here when you're learning that you know and seeing that Kathleen um you know her life being taken by her husband um it's from you know we've heard the prosecution and we've we've seen the trial and we've kind of seen the bias and it's part of the verdict, so again it's about balancing it and then when we show the owl theory, it's seen through sophie's eyes, which is somebody who really wants Michael to figure out what happened that night, because not only does she want to get the man that she loves out of prison, but she wants to understand him more. And so it's basically about telling these depictions from the point of view of somebody that has something to gain by how, by what the depiction is showing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of, you know, shooting the depictions, we decided early on to do it as objectively as possible, you know, no close-ups. Um, you know, I think, you know, violence is a, a controversial thing, but these these are scenes that don't just show something, they say something. And it was important to say the things that we needed to say, but we did it from, you know, two different angles principally. And it was, you know, as removed as we could, which does end up sometimes making us feel slightly more intimate. But at the same time, it takes away us putting our impression of it into it. Um, as much as one can recognizing that it is actually impossible to be objective.
1: There's <laughs> yeah. a really interesting, um, you know, it, if you've seen some like a film I did called Christine or a film I did called After School and where this sort of the, these really violent moments are captured in camera and the camera doesn't really move. It just kind of watches. Um, there's a really interesting thing that happens and it happens here too with kathleen's death which is you as the audience know it's about to happen and you want to reach in and stop it from happening but there's a really kind of strong effect that not moving the camera and allowing the camera just to kind of sit and for the events to unfold that gives you this feeling of you know you you feel you it's it's it feels like you're watching the thing the way it might have happened which is you know what we wanted you to feel it feels like we're not glorifying it in a way we we're not trying to sensationalize it with cuts and close-ups and stuff um but also it's 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 so tragic because you do get this urge to stop it from happening you and you just have to sit there and watch it and that to us felt like the most um that felt like the, the the most honest way to um capture that experience and 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 it's it's also it's probably the most it's it's funny because it it is in some ways it's it's the most um, I don't know it's 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 hard the hardest thing to watch but it's also in a lot of ways the sort of the 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 most restraint way to to depict to that event.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm so impressed in how you've told this story throughout the series with all of the the intricacies that come with it. So, congratulations on the series, and thank you so much for sharing all of these wonderful behind the scenes details. Really appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much. Really appreciate this conversation.